Hey, podcast people. Tony Stark here. The show is called Re-MCU. These guys had the brilliant idea to do something no one else has. Rewatch the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talk about it. Top-notch idea, fellas. Congrats. Anyway, let's see what brilliant thoughts come from this. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to another episode of Re-MCU, where we are re-watching and re-evaluating the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viafania. And if you don't know, it's been a while since we did one of these episodes. Cody and I are uh, film critics uh, for CineSnob. We have a couple of other podcasts, notably the CineSnob podcast. Um, and this is our uh, this is our Marvel podcast that we've uh, taken like a five or six month break from, Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know how it happens. Um, our last two episodes were uh, featured guests um with uh both uh comedians uh eddie pence and uh jerry rocha mm-hmm. who you do a podcast with uh both of those gentlemen um who are trying to apparently school you in the ways of the nerd cody yeah uh, so it would seem yeah it's not going very well but uh <laughs> it's uh i mean i'm trying i i, I can i can do, but like uh, what they do, like every Ramble Radio on Fridays, is they talk about the previous week of Mandalorian, and I'm I'm not caught up, so I'm just like I just twiddle my thumbs for twenty minutes while they. Oh geek well, out. I, I, we are speaking on a. Um, so this is the Friday after Thanksgiving, uh-huh. uh, as we're recording this. We uh, uh, that means there's a new episode of The Mandalorian out today, and I, I got my wife up to speed on it uh, a couple weeks ago. And she's been really digging it, and we just watched uh, this episode, this latest episode, a few hours ago, and it's um, it's amazing how well uh, it's John Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni who are the showrunners. It's amazing how well they get Star Wars when almost none of these new movies have gotten it right at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this is a Marvel podcast, obviously, but. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Disney stuff that's related. And, and I think to that point, Disney has handled the Marvel stuff way better than any of the Star Wars stuff so far. Um, and then the Mandalorian came along and, and is just kind of taking that same sort of formula of, I think, um, the right amount of, if you want to call it fan service, I think that's fair. I don't think that seems a little reductive. But it, it does take like familiar elements that existed, say, like only in a cartoon or only in a novel and uh, puts them into live action. And I think it does really well with that. And I think that that's, uh, again, that's something that, that the, the uh, Lucasfilm team can learn from the uh, Marvel Studios team in the Disney umbrella, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... Uh I definitely think that there's um, there's certainly uh, a lot of people who you know I, I'm seeing some different stuff actually because I, I saw some people who were thinking that that they're actually veering now too much into established canon when they were kind of paving their own way, but that just shows you the the like you cannot please them all attitude <laughs> of this fandom stuff, right? Right. I mean, it is uh, touching on stuff that's like you know they're not running across luke skywalker at least at this point so it's all stuff that's kind of ancillary anyway like Mm -hmm. if frankly if you know this stuff that they're running across like you've already you're already a diehard fan like you've already like totally invested into star wars to the point where you read books Mm -hmm. and you watch the cartoon series that were out so you know saying that they're leaning into fan service based on stuff like that well maybe I don't know. I, I, I don't see it that way, but... Mm-hmm. Or too much fan service, I should say. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, this is a... Uh, again, this is a Marvel podcast. Last oh, yeah. time... <laughs> la- last episode, we covered uh, Thor The Dark World with uh, Eddie Pence. Yes. Uh, which was weirdly one of his favorite movies. You know, we talked a little bit about that episode on on a ramble and just how kind of like Eddie's encyclopedia uh, encyclopedic knowledge of that movie and the Thor lore 
quite frankly, just kind of stunned us. Uh, and we were kind of uh, flabbergasted and didn't know what to say in that episode because Eddie just kind of knew everything there was to know. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that, that kind of ties into the Star Wars stuff. You know, this, like, you know, I maybe that movie rewarded uh, super fans. I, I still think it's one of the, the weakest of the whole bunch that we've watched, um, at least so far. Mm-hmm. if not the weakest. Um, but it, it's, it, there's something to be said, I guess, for the deep cuts at times. I guess maybe there's, uh, you know, whatever it is that was, I, I don't even remember the, some of the stuff he was referencing. Oh, yeah. But, but like, uh, I, it was it was basically like any time we were like, hey, what's this about? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, this, this, and this. And, and like, yes, he, he had a point, but also you have to be able to watch a movie for what it is and not need to know the backstory um, of the comic books. Like that should enhance the story, not make it make sense. You know? Sure. Exactly. So uh, to that end, uh, our movie we're going to be discussing today is Captain America Winter Soldier, a movie that I think kind of remarkably stands on its own mm-hmm. at this point in the series. Um, and, uh, this is, of course, the first film, uh, first Marvel film directed by the Russo brothers, who uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, who would go on to helm um, Captain America: Civil War and then Avengers: uh, Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame. So this is uh, the first uh, the first directorial job for them. So uh, let's let's kind of talk about where things stand at this point in the MCU. So we are post Thor: The Dark World and post Iron Man three. Mm-hmm. Both of which seem to struggle with, um, well, Iron Man 3 mostly to struggle with its place in this larger canon, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, it seemed like it, like it was a, I don't, again, I don't think it's a bad movie. And I believe we talked about this with, with, with um, Jerry, it, but it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a part of this Marvel universe really. Mm-hmm. Like it, it completely kind of cuts itself off from that to the point where uh, Tony Stark destroys all of his Iron Man armor at the end of the film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of leaves uh, leaves that open for, or like kind of leaves that as like a finality of what he's doing, you know, like he's moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's then- kind of funny that the recurring thing where like, 20 times throughout the course of this series, someone like hangs, hangs up their suit and walks away <laughs> only to come back. We'll see that in future episodes, but it is kind of funny how every episode seems to, or every episode, every film seems to need to end with someone having some kind of existential crisis about being a superhero. Well, we, you know, we, we talked about this before cause we have, we've watched some of the other films um, ahead of this one, but I, I think the, this is uh you know, one of the things that's never really plagued the Captain America series um, for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's um, the, uh, the uh, uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely coming in to kind of start with this one uh, that, that it's never really kind of had the placeholder feeling that the other films have had mm-hmm. like Iron yeah. Man two was, was a big placeholder and a lot of table setting uh, Thor: The Dark World was kind of just a a, a placeholder, um, but this one actually kind of moves the story forward. Mm-hmm. Like this one, this one actually has effects that, let's say, should affect the next larger MCU movie, but kind of don't. But there is a uh, there is a pretty big deal in this film, uh, and I think that that's the first time since Avengers we've really gotten it because I don't think. I think neither, um, I think neither Iron Man three or Thor: The Dark World had any kind of outside effect on anything else. Yeah. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out?
nearby strike unit's 25th floor. Whoa, whoa, big guy. I just want you to know, Cap. It's in personal! <laughs> kind of feels personal. All right. So this film uh, came out in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, at the time, I really loved this movie. I don't remember if if you were at the... I think we were probably at the same screening. I remember seeing it at the embassy here locally. So... Oh, maybe not then. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, this was one of my favorite movies. Uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and and of that year, I think was um, was probably the uh, like my top sort of blockbuster summer movie, mm-hmm. um, just because it's so smart and so like you know it's po- it's it's easy to say it's like a seventies political thriller, but with superheroes. But I think it you know the, the kind of things it does within its own you know, within the Marvel cinematic universe stuff and the larger picture it, it paints of what's happening is, uh, is pretty, uh, is pretty well done. I, what, what did you think the first time you saw it? You know, I actually wasn't really, uh, super into it when I first saw it and I don't know, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember, you know, this was, you know, six years ago. Um, so it was, it's, it, you know, it's difficult for me to, to kind of put myself back in that position. I just remember thinking uh, that uh, I, I was a little bit confused by the response and the reaction to it back then. And I don't know if maybe I was just still in a bad mood from, you know, the previous two <laughs> movies or something like that. Um, and also I liked the first Captain America movie so much that this, um, you know, this this kind of put him in the thick of, um, you know, in the thick of the modern day um in a, in a way that was a little bit different than the Avengers where he was kind of a standalone character. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't super into it back when I saw it back in 2014. So what did you think about it now? I think it's great. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that, uh, the, the, I, I don't know what I was thinking back then. Uh, but it's one of those films that, like you said, it is easy to say, like it is a political thriller. And because of that, it feels like the most, uh, for whatever reason, grounded of the, all of the Marvel movies up to this point and maybe period, it feels, you know, it feels like a very grounded thing, especially the way that it sort of takes on these smart themes of like corruption and, um, and, uh, and, and sort of like, you know, I think it does what it does really well is it sort of continues to play off of, um, you know, Steve Rogers slowly losing, you know, his sense of being naive, uh, which I think is a, a great through line throughout the series where, you know, he's like afraid to curse in the, in like the early stuff. And then by the end, you know, he's, he's like, you know, the most ruggedly uh, worn down character in all of the series. Um, So I, I love that the arc of him, like, you know, slowly figuring out that, um, that things are not so simple anymore. And, you know, beyond that, I think the movie is just sort of like expertly paced. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the thing that stuck out to me most when I watched it, you know, for being a two hour plus movie, like there's there's action like there's great action set pieces every like you know fifteen minutes twenty minutes um, that makes it go by really really quickly and you know that that the first big action set piece that's the Nick Fury car chase scene is so awesome like it's such a great action <laughs> yeah. sequence uh, again one of the better action sequences you know later on in a lot of the Avengers movies, especially ones that we'll talk about in the near future you know it sort of has that transformer CGI to cgi things battling each other and causing destruction type vibe and the car chase seems to be like all practical real cars blowing up and shit uh (laughs) it's such a great great uh, sequence and then you know more there's other sequences like i the other the the thing that strikes me um more this time around uh is how great of a character the winter soldier is here um you know, like we, you know, I, it holds its mystery back though. I think everyone knows who it is, but it doesn't kind of give that full Bucky reveal until a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But like to see what a foil and how, like how like mean and badass that character is, um, 
is is also really great. Um, and so, you know, there's not a ton of complaints I had about it. There's a few, of course, but um, but yeah, I, I was very very impressed with with it this time around. Yeah, I, I do really love that that scene with Nick Fury uh, because it it has like this. It, it it really gives you a great character moment for Nick Fury too, and I don't think he's had one before this movie. Uh, just the kind of like badass gadget, you know, commando guy, um, you know, kind of the whole the orders, you know, the ordering his car to do stuff. I mean, it's just it's a great scene, um, and I think all around the character stuff is way better than anything else any of these characters have been in so far. Maybe save for for Steve Rogers. But uh, it gives it gives by far the best performance uh, or the best characterization to uh, Natasha Romanoff, uh, Scarlett Johansson, obviously is Black Widow, um, and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and I, and I think a, a great great addition is Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he is he is really great. Um, you know, it's, he's introduced at the beginning there as a, you know, as a, you know, as he's they're jogging around the National Mall. And Steve Rogers keeps lapping him and, and says on your left and, and things like that. That's a, and you know, a reference that pays off, of course, later in uh, Endgame. Um, yeah, it's just a, a, a lot of great stuff. Even, um, you know, the people that I don't think, you know, they never really figured out what to do with Emily Van Camp. That's uh, that's a huge huge complaint for me, which we can get to when we go through the cast if you want to. But yeah, that's well, a, yeah. Let, let's go ahead and let's move on to the cast because I think we've we're, we're we're agreed the movie holds up really well and 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 is still probably a, a really high watermark for Marvel. Yeah, uh, for the MCU. So the cast, um, you know, we've got Chris Evans, obviously, um, who I think is really coming into his own in this role here. I think he kind of re- I think Avengers, as good as Avengers is, I think it kind of regressed to that character quite a bit. Um, not quite a bit. I'm sorry. I'm thinking ahead to, uh, to Ultron. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Avengers, he was fine, but Ultron really dials him back to an annoying level. Um, Scarlett Johansson, I thought was great. I don't know what you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sebastian Stan, we, we touched on as, uh, Bucky Barnes slash the winter soldier. Um, you know, the, the idea that this is someone who stuck around, uh, you know, this wasn't just a one and done villain. I think really um, did this character well because you know there's not a lot to the character in this movie, but the the stuff that comes after it, I think, is is really well done with him. Um, and the the kind of final fight, even though it's a little predictable, I think is is pretty emotional for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with uh, with Steve kind of coming to terms with the fact that his best friend is this killer. Um, we talked about Anthony Mackie; he's great. Um, Kobe Smolders has a, one of the, her bigger roles here as Maria Hill. Um, then uh, Emily Van Camp. So let's talk about Emily Van Camp. Yeah. So she's introduced as sort of a uh, um, a uh, neighbor of. Steve Rogers, who kind of has a crush on him, or seems to have a crush on him, mm-hmm. um, a love interest. Then, love interest, sure. Uh, then turns out to be a, a Shield agent, and also the niece of Peggy Carter, or something, some sort of relation to Peggy Carter, who uh, played by Haley Atwell, who dies in this film. So Emily Van Camp seems to be set up as something that's going to pay off later. Yeah, and I don't believe that she's appeared again she has a couple times i was i was actually just looking that up when we were doing it she is apparently in um oh she was in civil war yeah she's apparently in civil war and then uh and then she's going to be in uh, the falcon and the winter soldier okay yeah so civil war is when she actually like they actually make out right I don't know. It it says that she was she was uh, seen on the she's been on the run since she was last seen in Civil War. Okay. And it says that it'll be um it, the, the the series is supposed to show what she's been doing in that time. But you know, yeah, absolutely. Because I think that 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 is such a condensed storyline in in this film, um, where you know Captain America really doesn't have much love interest throughout the whole series. Um, and this is kind of like the first and I think the only time they ever really flirt with that. Um, 
And, you know, the the payoff of her being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent really doesn't work because they haven't set it it up enough. Like, I think she's got, like, that one scene with the laundry basket, like, in the hallway. And then after that, she reveals herself as being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So, like, she's only mentioned to in passing by Natasha um, as a potential, like, dating person. Um, But, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It feels like they, they're going to pay it off. It almost feels like I'm surprised that she, like, I looked it up expecting to see that maybe she was, like, a major character in Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Carter or something, like any of the ancillary stuff, and she wasn't. And it seems like such a weird thing to try to shoehorn into a movie when you're not giving it room to breathe whatsoever, especially when you can add, you know, two to three minutes of scenes and, and maybe make that have a better payoff but the execution of it is really not very good yeah i mean it feels like it it feels like it was meant to be something else well it's an interesting it's an interesting idea i think yeah i you know well you know the the kind of uh you know end of the road thing for captain america was always getting back to peggy right and i think i I meant that obvious love interest not like i meant like you know, that was the obvious one. No, I get it. But I think having uh, this character be related to her really muddies the waters. Um, she's her grandniece, according to uh, according to what I'm reading. So, yeah, that really muddies the waters quite a, a bit, I think. A gnilf? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, no, because she would be, well, yeah. Well, that means Peggy is a gale. Yeah, gale. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Anti, I'd like to friend. Yeah, French kiss. Um, also, Samuel. We talked about Samuel L. Jackson. Um, again, kind of finishes this film in a place that really moves his character forward. That I don't think ever pays off again. Well, uh, having watched ahead, look. Obviously, I'm- having seen everything, still, but. The the thing it, it, it's coming it's coming back to me a little bit the things that I disliked about this movie this first time around, and the the fake out death is like the first of, of like it's not that it's actually not the first it's I mean um, Coulson doesn't come back in the movies right so that that doesn't count technically I guess yeah um, but there's the Loki fake death and the the Thor the Dark World and then there's this one. Um, and then there's several others, I think, as the series goes on. And I just, that shit is the thing about the Marvel movies that pisses me off so much because <laughs> it just takes away the stakes when you have these characters who anytime they die, they're able to come back. Um, and it, and it really hurts it for me. And, and so I like the Fury stuff while he's alive. And then the fake death thing, you know, um, you know, like, because because the idea behind Coulson's fake death is they're giving them a reason to come together or some bullshit, right? It's so, yeah. I mean, it, I I don't know that Coulson's death was fake initially. Um, and I don't, I I stopped watching Agents of Shield, so I don't know how it paid off. But I don't think he was really Coulson anymore. I think he was like a life model decoy or something. I, please, if you know the answer, please tweet me and tell me how wrong I am. But <laughs> I don't believe it was a fake out death. I think it was a retcon sort of thing. Yeah, that, I, I guess I could see that. Um, but obviously, yeah. the obviously the the Nick Fury one was a total fake out. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just I just really do not like that. No, I agree. Um, you know, it, it's. It's a strange thing, but uh, still, I think by the end of the film, though, he's he's a character that's moving forward, like literally burning his eye patch, mm-hmm. um, which lasts all of zero movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but uh, it, at the time, it was like, oh, shit, things are changing. Um, then uh, last but not least is Robert Redford. Yeah. As Alexander Pierce, kind of the big get here, I think. And probably the thing that takes that, um, you know, that, that draws the most comparisons to, uh, to the seventies political thrillers, IE three days of the condor, which of course, uh, Robert Redford starred in, um, playing a, uh, Alexander Pierce. What is he like a director of shield? I can't remember what his title is. Um, Senior yeah. official within S.H.I.E.L.D. and member of the World Security Council, yeah. along with, uh, I believe, uh, 
uh, who is that uh, that character actor who's always no, he wasn't in this one. He was in the other one. Never mind. Um, anyway, he's uh, uh, kind of a corrupt politician sort of thing. Um, what'd you think of him? He was, he's, he's, you know, you have to get used to seeing, a, you know, an actor of that caliber in a Marvel movie because it is kind of crazy, you know, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, uh, but, but once it settles in, I, I think it's a really interesting, uh, casting choice. I don't really know that his character does anything like super, like, like villainous you know i i i I mean like just in in intentions yes but he doesn't have any like juicy villain moments um though i think you know the way that it deals with the turn is is pretty good um there's a couple moments that we should that i I think are worth talking about regarding that but um but yeah i think he's fine I, i i don't i don't think that it was like an amazing performance or anything but it's it's interesting to see him in here I, I can't remember um, if he, this was one of his final film roles before sort of unofficially retiring. Um, and then he popped up again playing the character in a cameo in, is it Endgame? Yeah, Endgame. Endgame, yeah. Activating communications encryption protocol. Open secure line 0405. Confirmed. This is help. I need you here in DC. Deep shadow conditions. Give me four hours. You have three. Over. Want to see my lease? So a, a couple other quick things to talk about before we move forward, because I think this this has a lot of like singular moments uh, that I think are really great. Um, in particular, the uh, there's two I can think of. One is uh, is the appearance of Gary Shandling. Uh, oh yes, who's who's really fantastic in a very small role. Um, in, in Reprise, all- reprising the role of uh, as a senator. Yeah, and, and and it has the great reveal of uh, of like the um, the association with Hydra, which is the is the kind of you know big you know turning point of the movie is 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 revealing that um, you know that Shield is infected. Um, but then you get as a result of that the famous elevator scene. Uh, yes, where Captain America is, uh, or Steve Rogers takes down a bunch of uh, Shield operatives inside a, a an elevator, and it's, it's such a great scene. Yeah, it's Frank Grillo and a bunch of goons, and uh, they all keep kind of piling onto the elevator, and they're all sort of in disguise, but he can he can like Steve Rogers is able to kind of deduce that they're you know goons as opposed to just business people mm-hmm. and yeah it's a great it's a great scene um i have a, a print of that that i really love yeah 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 um but it uh yeah that, and that's a famously kind of referenced or redone or whatever you want to call it in endgame in a great moment in endgame yeah uh, it, it's also funny that the movie opens with uh <laughs> with uh with this siege on like a um a ship right and uh mm-hmm. And it has because I remember when the casting came out, I was see- seeing that the uh, the MMA fighter George Saint Pierre was in it. Yes, and I'm being like, what? <laughs> and then you see him as just some like goon who fights Captain America early on in the movie, and then <laughs> and it doesn't have any impact. It, it does. This does have one of the weaker cold opens of a Marvel movie, I think. Um, you know, the siege is fine for what it is, but it doesn't set the table in any significant way. Um, 
I do think that that's one thing that I wish was a little bit better. It does. It does sort of uh, lay the groundwork for the treachery of Shield a little bit. Like it, you know, with with uh, with Natasha running sort of a different mission than than Captain America is. Yeah, really- in the, in the spy satellites and stuff, like it delays the or it it, it gets the um, story started. But yeah, right. I, I I do like the look of uh, Captain America in that beginning scene. Yeah, that stealth look. That's really awesome. Yeah, I do love the stealth thing too. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I I. I I think that it's it's got a lot of it's a collection of some really great scenes and like there's there's a there's that one scene too where they're like chasing each other on the highway and stuff mm-hmm. the the Winter Soldier chase with on the highway again and I think that that heavily features um, some great action sequences from uh, Black Widow and Natasha as well. Um, oh yeah, that whole highway scene. Um, yeah, I mean there, it's great the from the beginning to the end of that one yeah so so again just just like the in the pacing of it all too is great because you have these you have character moments and story development and then a big action sequence uh that's legitimately thrilling and then you have you know these character moments in between it's just kind of expertly done as like as like a is like a thriller slash action film I gotta fly home tonight because uh i got some constituency problem and i gotta press the flesh any constituent in particular mrs senator uh, no, not really. 23, kind of hot, real hot, you know, wants to be a reporter, I think. I don't know who listens at that point. Doesn't sound like much of a problem to me. Really? Because she's killing my back. But this isn't the place to talk about it. It's a nice pen. Thank you. Come here. Hell, Hydra. She tried right, I just saw right that, there. yeah. Should I get a check? I need a minute. Bring the car around. Yes, sir. Agent Sitwell, how was lunch? I hear the crab cakes here are delicious. Who is this? The good-looking guy in the sunglasses. You're 10 o'clock. Your other 10 o'clock. There you go. What do you want? You're gonna go around the corner to your right. There's a great car two spaces down. You and I are gonna take a ride. And why would I do that? Because that tie looks really expensive. And I'd hate to mess it up. So I think this still is probably my top Marvel movie. Hmm. And just on the merits of first of all i think captain america is the strongest of the big 3 characters um when it comes to characterization uh you know iron man gets all the kind of cool snark and thor i think gets now most of the humor mm-hmm. but i think this is this is the one character that has a real arc throughout the series yeah, I think that's changing a bit because I think Thor is really coming around as a character. But but up until this point, and especially up until this point in the you know where we are in this franchise, I would probably yeah. agree with you for sure. And um and I and I do think he is a more interesting character than Tony for sure, especially with with what we'll talk about in the future, the recurring thing of Tony's motivations. But. <laughs> what about you? Where does it stand for you? It's really high on the list. You know, I I think um you know it, I I. I for the sake of this podcast up until this point in the series, it's got to be in the top three easily. Um, Oh yeah. You know, between the first Iron Man, um, uh, and then, uh, for me, the Avengers, I know you hold the first Captain America highly, but for me, it's like the first Iron Man, the first Avengers, and then this movie being the top three up until this point. Um, surprisingly a lot, a lot better. And I think as, as just like a film, like a, a, like an actual film you know it's 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 i think i was commenting to someone where it's the first movie in the series in my opinion that feels like it's not it's not graded on the curve of a comic book movie it feels like yeah you, you can see this as a film um without qualifiers on it um and you and you don't say it's pretty good for a comic book movie it's just a really good movie and um and I think this was the first movie that kind of marks that, in my opinion, where it, it takes like a, a prestige jump, in, in, you know, in my opinion. And I, I think the, the biggest, the, one of the biggest things for me is it doesn't kind of revert to the status quo at the end of it. Like I mentioned, you know, you get the, you get the falling apart of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
which has effects on everything, even though the next kind of major film that references it, Age, uh, Age of Ultron, which we'll talk about in a couple of episodes, kind of doesn't really take all of that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first one that I feel like, you know, we talked about this like before uh, this idea where like, well, why wouldn't Captain America have come to help Tony Stark in this situation or whatever mm-hmm. post Avengers. And I think this is the first film that really kind of answers that question because it's like, this is a, it's small enough in scale, mm-hmm. you know, it's small enough in scale that, that it, that it makes sense that there's just these people reacting to it. And, and, and I, Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I'm not, I don't think that's a pejorative at all that it's smaller in scale. I think that's what's needed in some of these superhero movies. It, it, exactly. I think that, you know, there are so many of these movies that, that, you know, the villain or the threat is just, you know, worldwide extinction or, you know, alien races coming in and, and, and like, <laughs> you know, just name like robot armies as we'll see. I, I, both of us just watched Age of Ultron and I think we're both like very <laughs> eager to talk about it. <laughs> but, um, but, it, but this one kind of keeps it again, self-contained. It feels like something that like could happen um, and, and not that super far-fetched. Um, and this, the scale is smaller where you're dealing, like the big threat here is corruption. You know, it's, it's, it's not some alien or robot army. It's, 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 uh, you know, political corruption and, um, and agencies being corrupted from the inside. And, um, and I think the, you know, I think the idea of Hydra is, is kind of legitimately kind of terrifying within the context of the movie. And I think they contextualize it really well, um, as just being like evil in a way that's not either cartoonish or not abstract um so i i mean i I really i really like that piece of the piece of it all and i think that um again it's it has good character development in in a way that we don't normally see you know like i was saying earlier the idea that steve rogers is coping with uh modern society and seeing that things are not as rosy as they were back when he was around um and and that being a slow realization you know i was reading quotes from um you know on on the wikipedia page and and just kind of seeing you know chris evans talk about you know the the societal differences he's going from the 40s to modern day where um where people were you know uh you know more trusting back then and now how it's hard to tell who's right and who's wrong um i think you know not only chris evans does a great job of displaying that but it's written into it and baked in really well and i think that you know it it sets the table for some good conflict between steve and tony um even if it's not followed through with you know the (laughs) the 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 most uh, precision but um you know, my opinion is that the Avengers are best when they're fighting within each other. I think that's the one thing that Joss Whedon was really able to capture in the first Avengers movie, and um, and to to show like the differences and to set up the differences between worldviews, um, especially with a movie like this and in 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 the um, the sort of culture shock of it from from Steve is I think really interesting. Hey man, I'm sorry about this. We need a place to lay low. Everyone we know is trying to kill us. Not everyone. You okay? Yeah. What's going on? When I first joined S.H.I.E.L.D., I thought I was going straight. But I guess I just traded in the KGB for Hydra. I thought I knew his lies I was telling, but... I guess I can't tell the difference anymore. There's a chance you might be in the wrong business. So this movie was released in 2014 uh, up against a couple of other comic book, high, very high profile comic book movies 
and one semi-comic book movie, a couple of semi-comic book movies, I'd say. Um, first of all, um, a movie we'll talk about on the next episode is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll we'll leave that at that uh, because we're going to talk about it later. Another uh, really great movie uh, that I had a lot of fun with is uh, X-Men Days of Future Past was released yeah, this that's year. Yeah, that's a great, uh, I think, in my opinion, the best X-Men movie, other than outside of Logan, but if we're talking about right. the X-Men franchise. No, um, 100%. I yeah. mean, this is the, the one that blends all of the, uh, kind of the, the, the rebooted cast and the original cast um, in a way that I think is really fun and... Uh, I oddly never got fun again. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it, this was, it did not. This was, of course, uh, the, Brian Singer's big return to the X-Men franchise, mm-hmm. which uh, was <laughs> in the rosier days of 2014 seen as a positive. Yeah. Um, before he uh, kind of fell away. Um, and you more, know, more was revealed. Yeah, and... Uh, in scandal, which obviously it's a terrible um, accusations at him, but you know, it is what it is. It, it's 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 a good movie. It's a it's a really fun movie, and I think um, one of the things that that um, we'll talk about briefly here coming up in the stinger about the Marvel, uh, the Captain America stinger. This is uh, the, one of the rare cases of the then Fox Marvel movies and the uh, Disney Marvel movies sharing a character. Yeah. Although it's a different actor in different kind of circumstances. Yeah. And one clearly does it much better than the other. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, this, uh, I, the character of Quicksilver uh, appears um, in the end credits sequence, which we'll talk about shortly of Captain America, the winter soldier and has a very prominent role here in uh, uh, Days of Future Past, which is widely seen as the standout moment of that movie. Yeah, uh, it's a slow motion uh, scene. What's the actor's name? I forget. Uh, um, Evan Peters. Evan Peters, and it's set to God damn it. What's the song? Time in a it's bottle. To, time in a bottle. Yeah, and it's great. It's a great scene. So much so that they tried to replicate it in uh, Apocalypse X Men Apocalypse yeah. that came out after this, and it was terrible. It's, um, fun, it's funny. It, it's it was bad. It's also the best scene in X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> true. Yeah. I mean, X Men Apocalypse is a train wreck. Um, but this this movie seemed to like it felt like for the first time with this movie, like this movie, like corrected wrongs mm-hmm. that people saw. Like it basically erased X Men First Class. I'm sorry, not X Men. Um, X Men The Last Stand. Oh yes. X Men United is the good the good one. Yeah, X Men uh, This basically erased X Men: uh, The Last Stand. Um, it kind of brought everything together mm-hmm. and seemed to be like a good point for moving forward. And then the X Men movies never were good after that at all. Like there was two more: uh, X Men Apocalypse, which is terrible, and uh, X Men Dark Phoenix, which is just sort of sad and goes out with a whimper. Yeah. Um, but for a brief shining moment, it felt like, oh shit, Fox has really stepped their game up. Yeah. And they're going to get this shit together and it's going to be really fun. Um, but alas, that wasn't to happen. Uh, and you get one last great role for Hugh Jackman and Logan, but I think everything else is, is, uh, X-Men, uh, direct X-Men related is pretty terrible. Uh, out, and I'm excluding Deadpool from that. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen New Mutants, so uh, I don't hear good things. Um, also, uh, another big film uh, was uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I never saw. I still have never Ooh, seen boy. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it's so, a it's a stinker, man. It's 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 really really bad. Um, but good news, they're bringing back the worst part of it for the new <laughs> yes, Spider-Man movie. That's what I wanted to in, in, to um, to bring up is that Jamie Fox plays uh, Electro in the film. I don't know what the character's n- actual name is, but from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, he kind of st- have you seen Batman Forever? 
it's been a long time. I feel like he has the same arc as the as Jim Carrey as the Riddler in Batman Forever. Like he's this exaggerated nerdy weirdo who then becomes a villain. Yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, he's like a he's like a janitor that people make fun of, and then he like touches a rail, <laughs> a light rail or something, and then he becomes Electro. What? And I I recall Jamie Fox like having this ridiculous hairdo. Yeah. Oh my god! And like, and like, he gets made fun of on his birthday and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't remember why I never saw this. I just know that I didn't. It's it was it's one of those things that like not only was it bad, but also people knew what was going to happen um, to uh, to Emma Stone's character because she was dressed in exactly the same outfit and they caught a set oh, yeah. photo of, of like a, you know, a famous comic book. And, um, and so people also figured that out very quickly and yeah, just, just a, a really bad, bad movie. So I remember it, it, uh, it, it killed, you know, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. So, Oh yeah. Well, like franchise, not actual Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. <laughs> but I remember um, the first amazing Spider-Man. If you took it, if you took the origin stuff out of it, it was it was written like it was like a Raimi Spider-Man 4. Um, and I, I don't know, this one I know turned his, uh, Peter Parker's parents into like, like secret agents or something that were murdered uh, and maybe still alive, was it? No, because this was, this was the one where uh, Peter's dad was a scientist working with the lizard, right? I thought, but I thought they like were killed in a, look, I haven't seen it and I don't remember the first one that well, but I thought they were killed in a plane crash I don't remember. or something. And there was like some message that they got sent. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't, I don't fucking know though. <laughs> the, the thing that, that the intriguing thing about this is again, we mentioned that the next uh, Spider-Man film uh, with uh, uh, one of Tom Holland is bringing back jamie fox as electro yeah and the kind of big rumor is and the the big thought is that the um marvel cinematic universe is finally going to open its the multiverse box that it teased at before yeah there is some thought that they'll that they'll sort of bring in potentially toby Maguire, andrew garfield and some other villains of spider-man past as well I mean, it worked well with uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, so. and they're about to pull it with Batman over at DC, too. So, Well, do you remember the, the pre-release, all the trailers for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home were explicitly mentioning a multiverse? Like, that's where Mysterio had come from? Do you remember that at all? I don't. So they were talking about, uh, like, there was a bunch of pre-release stuff. Like, all of the trailers... And commercials uh, had Nick Fury mentioning that um, the Thanos's snap had opened up the multi, like a rip in the to the multiverse. Oh, and that's how Mysterio came over. Like he was from Earth six one six or whatever they called it. I think that's what it is. Um, so it was something that was teased at, but then that movie never. They never really went there. That was just like a fake out. But uh, the and with the idea of, of obviously with uh, the new Doctor Strange movie being called In the Multiverse of Madness, yeah, being directed by Sam Raimi, yeah, is um, lending itself to uh, that speculation. So makes sense. I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm not against it. Uh, I'm not either. Though the multiverse is 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 an idea that I don't super love. I I'd be interested to see what it is, but I like on the surface. I think it's I I don't the, these movies. I think one of the big problems with comic book movies in general is just this this um this necessity of looking backwards, um, especially as it pertains to like you know you you seeing a bunch of origin stories all the time and stuff sure. like that. I I just wish that they would take these things and move forward and not backwards. But you know, well again, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things I've always like. I said I always like that about the Captain America movies is they mm-hmm. move forward. But um, anyway, enough to talk about uh, Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Two, kind of the last one that's a comic book movie that I don't really feel 
people realize is a comic book movie is Big Hero 6. Yeah. Uh, which is based huh. off of a, a very minor uh, Marvel Comics team. Um, this is an animated film uh, from Disney, which I wasn't a big fan of. It was okay. It was uh, it was all right. I thought the um, so the the kind of standout character is obviously this medical robot named Baymax. Yeah, who's an inflatable kind of assistant um, to the main character. I don't even remember what the main character's name is. Hero, right? Is it? I think so. Right. It makes sense because it's it has like a um, like a like a manga feel, like an anime feel to it. Um. Yeah, hero, very, hero Hamada. Yeah, except it's not in a- Japan. It's uh, oh, like okay. San Fran Tokyo or something stupid like that. Um. Yeah, F- San Francisco. San Francisco. Anyway, a portmanteau. Um, oh, what is the so? San Francisco. Yeah. Anyway, um, very big in Japan, by the way, the character of Baymax. Not surprisingly, but when we were at Disney in in Tokyo, there was a very big presence of Baymax, which I don't think is a really uh, a blip on the radar here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 it's. I think it's a minor Disney movie. Um, all, all, all things considered, I, I do believe. Um, this though, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. This uh, was up against. Uh, so this was when was uh, like this? This received an Oscar nomination. No, it won. It won an. It won the Oscar. Won the whereas Oscar. the Lego Movie released the same year didn't even get nominated. Yes, that was the big controversy of this year. So the the nominees this year were uh, or that year were the Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon Two, Song of the Sea, The Tale of Princess uh, Kaguya, and uh, uh, Big Hero Six. And uh, Lego Movie for some reason was not even nominated, which is a uh, one of the biggest Oscar snubs of all time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Who knows why? Maybe the live action bits. I don't know. Um, anyway, it, yeah, it, and it, that, it marked a a two year in a row run for uh for Disney, um, beating uh, well, I, there were no Pixar movies. I don't think. And uh, well, it had uh, Frozen was the year before, right? Twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Frozen was a a no brainer. Um, yeah. Well, and it it had been a while since um, I think Disney Animation had won an Oscar um, prior to that, and then of course it you know it it won with um, it, Inside Out won the next year, and then uh, Zootopia won the the next year, so it had three out of four. Well, Brave won the year before, right? Twenty twelve. Yeah, which was a bad movie. It was up against Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> yes, Wreck It Ralph. Oh, that was another robbery. Uh, two robberies in a row. Damn it. Uh, no, not really. Anyway. Um, yeah, the, and then, uh, there was, a, another, yet another, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot, which is sort of, com- it's, it was originally based on a comic book. Did you ever see the, the original, um, original, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with, uh, Megan Fox? I have seen that, yeah. So, it's not a good movie. Um, I'm gonna say that right up front. It does have one of the most accurate portrayals of a TV newsroom that I've ever seen, though. Oh, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and it's very strange. <laughs> and um, that, I, that that series has a weird Gonzo performance from Will Arnett that I always appreciated. Even oh yeah, you mother, you pointed out that he makes a Parmesan cheese sandwich or something. Yeah, he he. There's a there's a very very specific Arrested Development reference to like the fourth season of Arrested Development that was on Netflix that nobody liked, <laughs> where where his character in the background there, there's a there's a running joke in that season of Arrested Development where a bunch of characters in Arrested Development with no reason and no explanation and never acknowledging it are eating mustard with Parmesan cheese, like spoonfuls of it. <laughs> and, and, and he eats it in the background of a Teenage Mutant Turtle, uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles scene. And I'm like, this is the weirdest reference I've ever seen. Yeah. So like the Megan Fox's character is a reporter. Uh, obviously she's April O'Neil. I should s- preface that because everyone knows who that is. Um, she's April O'Neil and she works in a TV newsroom and like Whoopi Goldberg is like the news director. And I think Taryn Killam is uh, one of her coworkers. That sounds right. Uh, and it actually was like really well done. 
Like it was really realistic. I mean, the rest of the movie sucks. And clearly, um, <laughs> if you remember, uh, anything about the pre-release is that William Fitchner was rumored to be shredder. Oh yeah. And, um, people were very upset that, uh, he was pl- like this white guy was playing Shredder instead of his, you know, cause he's a Japanese character. And, uh, <laughs> so they clearly rewrote it and separated him from the character. So Shredder was another person that made no sense. Yeah. Like he was just another guy anyway. So not a good movie. I did actually like the second one. Of the that. second one's not bad. Um, it's very, uh, goofy and fun. Fury has released everything to the public. Everything he knows about. Yes, Trucker, if they get word of our work here, if they find out we serve Hydra. Hydra. Shield. Two sides of a coin that's no longer currency. What we have is worth more than any of them ever knew. We've only scratched the surface end already. There are other facilities doing Hydra's good work around the world. We'll feed them to Captain America and his colorful friends. Keep them off our scent. What about the volunteers? The dead will be buried so deep their own ghosts won't be able to find them. And the survivors? The twins. Sooner or later, they will meet the twins. It's not a world of spies anymore, not even a world of heroes. This is the age of miracles, Doctor. There's nothing more horrifying than a miracle. This, uh, like most Marvel films, has uh, some end credit sequences. This has two. The first one is uh, pure looking forward. Uh, as we mentioned, it uh, this is the one that 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 uh, it doesn't really belong in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's there anyway. It's uh, the Baron Strucker character uh, creating um, or, or showing how they are using Loki's staff, which they have acquired to create um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, a.k.a. um, uh, Wanda and... uh, Shit, I forget his name. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Peter. That's what it is. Peter, like Peter... um, uh, The Russian version of Peter. Peter Maximoff. Yeah, P-I-T-O-R. More like Peter Waxamoff. Anyway, um, which, um, uh, look, those are terrible characters. Yeah. I appreciate where they've gotten Elizabeth Olsen to at this point, but those, look, again, we're looking, we've just both watched Age of Ultron and we know how shitty they turn out. <laughs> um, they're, they're, in the comic book form, they're mutants, they're, they're, children of magneto and um obviously because at the time fox owned the mutant uh film characters they were unable to make them mutants so they're kind of artificially created beings or superheroes or superpowered agents and it's they say something about it being the age of miracles and it's just stupid yeah um and they're both like doing like stupid things in their cells too, <laughs> like 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 Elizabeth Olsen's like just like like doing that thing with her hands, like she's she, like playing with blocks or something, like moving blocks around. Oh yeah, and then he's like, isn't he like running around in a in his cell or something like that, something stupid yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> so this is dumb. Um, and then the uh, the final singer, the very post credit scene, is uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier, checking out his exhibit. In, um, I guess the natural, not, I mean, uh, the Smithsonian, Smithsonian. Yeah. which nice touch, by the way, having the exhibit narrated by Gary Sinise, if you didn't notice that. I didn't. Like the voiceover that's narrating, like the, the talking about the exhibit is Gary Sinise. It's a very, very perfect little touch. Hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that's kind of the teaser for future winter soldier, um, adventures, but all in all, I don't think very, either one of them very consequential. Um, one is just table setting, which thankfully the movie avoided otherwise. Hydra doesn't like leaks. Now why don't you try sticking a cork in it? Insight's launching in 16 hours. We're cutting in a little bit close here. I know. We'll use them to bypass the DNA scans and access the helicarriers directly. What? Are you crazy? That is a terrible, terrible idea. Right. Next up is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which, as we mentioned earlier, also came out in 2014. Um, just quick, quick kind of um, thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy at the time. Do you remember how big of a like we talked? We talked about Avengers being a big swing. Yeah, this was probably the biggest swing. Yeah, I'll mention this next time, but I but I predicted that this would be Marvel's first bomb. At the <laughs> oh, time. I forgot about that. Yeah, this was one of those things that, um, you know, you could you could see, and you we'll we'll talk about it in the show in the next episode. But you can see that it's not moored to anything existing. Mm-hmm. And I I I would one hundred percent believe that's by design. In case they needed to forget about it, they could. That's um, a good point. I'd like to talk about that more in the next episode. For but sure. it is, um, yeah, it, it turned out to be one of the, the biggest hits. I think it made more money than uh, Captain America, I believe. Uh, it might have. Um, let's see. It became the um, third highest grossing film in the MCU behind the Avengers and Iron Man 3. So, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, it was the third highest grossing film of 2014, uh, behind only Transformers, Transformers Age of Extinction and The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies. Two terrible movies. Age of Extinction, baby. Uh, did we ever talk about... we? Man, sometime I want to talk about The Hobbit movies. Oh, boy. Because those are some terrible movies. <laughs> yeah, those those movies are, are not good at all. Uh this was also uh, the year of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which is a wonderful film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, anything else to add before we go, Cody? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that uh, it's good to be back in the swing of things. And for those who are listening, um, who have been waiting for us to come back, just know we're having a marathon recording session. There will be new episodes um, in the coming weeks. They are recorded by the time you're hearing this. So, oh yeah, don't fret. We are back. We're also gonna be um, we're gonna be uh, moving almost wrapping up phase th- phase two yeah here quickly so almost done um, mm. yeah and I, I don't think that we've we've talked about this before but once we get to the end of phase three um, I think both of us have some like really I think have a fun idea to just kind of go back to Marvel movies of years past before the MCU and well we we. We did mention that I've, you know, I've never seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Um, I don't believe you've uh, partaken in most of the X-Men films. Um, uh, or some of them, anyway. I think I've seen all the X-Men movies. I think I've, I haven't seen um, a lot of, like, um, like, uh, like pre-X-Men. Like, I haven't seen the Fantastic Four movies, I can tell you that. Okay, yeah. So, so that's, uh, except for the Josh Trank one, but I haven't seen, like, the Chris Evans uh you know, Kate Mara or whoever else is in that. It's Jessica. It's Jessica Alba and uh, Michael Chiklis and uh, 
Reese, uh, what's his name? He's a, a British actor. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen those. So like, we've. I, I would like to go back to Marvel's past and and just do um, Marvel movies that aren't connected to the MCU, but um, you know, comic book movies of history. I, I think that would be fun. So yeah, we've, um, we've got ideas to prolong it. Hell, we yeah, can even go spe- DC if we wanted to. Especially since it's, um, you know, it's we're on we're on pause here in the pandemic. Yeah. With uh, Black Widow apparently not coming until 2021, so have has has a Marvel movie come out since we started this podcast? Uh, I don't know when we did the first episode. I think it was after Endgame, so n- no, no, yeah, it, no, uh, Spider Man, Spider Man, yeah. yes. So yeah, e- either it was either it was right after uh, Far From Home or right before Far From Home. Hmm. I don't remember when we started. But. Well, regardless, uh, just just know. Thank if you're if you still subscribe to us. Thank you for not deleting us from your subscriptions. <laughs> and uh, you're gonna see it pop up and be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be back sooner than you think. We'll be back either next week or uh, depending on how we want to dole them out. But we'll we probably weekly. I think. Yeah. Whatever. We'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at cinesnob. Facebook cinesnobnet. Um, listen to our other podcasts, the Cinesnob podcast, now with video. Yeah. That's new since the last time we talked about it. You can watch us. Um, me and Cody and our, our uh, co-host Jocelyn Durand. Um, we got a girl now, so. Yeah. We can talk about girl stuff. Hell yeah. We talk about, uh, you know, childbirth and stuff. Yeah. Jocelyn just had a baby, if, in case you don't know. Um, I don't know who would. Why? Why I said it like that. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, also, Corin Stream, um, uh, where we talk to people in quarantine about the movies they're watching. Quarantine might be wrapping up sooner than we thought, Cody. Um, I guess we'll see. It, it's, it's, um, I hope so, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think our, 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 our patience level with both quarantine and the podcast kind of <laughs> actually uh, the, the guest well kind of ran dry a, a bit. I think it's a little tough to, to kind of get people to lock down into like at the beginning of it, it was fine. Yeah. It was easier. Uh, but to get people to like, to nail them down. Cause no one knew how long this was going to be. Yeah. And we've got, know? we've got a couple people who have said yes, but then uh, disappeared and stuff. So it's, it's just, <laughs> and then, and then I've seen some of our previous guests have started their own podcast, um, yeah. in lockdown. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, if not, it was a fun ride. It was. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, on that note, I'm Jerry Kingery and I'm Cody Viafania. 